0: We will turn our attention to the word of the Lord at this time. Amen. Amen. Appreciate this. Appreciate this, Sister Annette. God bless you. It's it's a it's a privilege and a blessing every time we get to assemble together in the Lord's house and, and to lift up our voices and sing praises to God and and uh, and thank Him for every good thing that He's done for us and that falls right in line with the with the, the thought that I have uh, I have on my heart this morning. And I actually, changed my title changed. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I Uh, I read them every time they come up, and they are a blessing. I, uh, I, you know, occasionally I will do something, but it's good to have it on a regular basis. there as long as Facebook does as well. Right. But uh, you know, we we come to this place and like I guess it's a privilege mm-hmm. privilege to share God's work. And the faith that we have uh, to see all these children just born and how they're playing together. Uh uh you know it, it's it's just amazing how We come to a time when uh, there are so many churches that don't. Yeah. And I just encourage the parents to continue to do a good job. They will grow up loving the Lord even before their sex. Yeah. And you can love the Lord before yourself, but you really don't know the Lord. Amen. And that's where the love is. Yeah. yeah. So, to each and every one of you, uh, I'm so thankful for my boy. For uh, Michael doesn't attend church much anymore because Matthew can't raise his hand. Yeah. Disappointed when he can't. Yeah.
0: It's easy to do.
1: It's easy to
0: do. Uh, I needed him last week. I listened to it. But <laughs> I Yeah. have a
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yep. Mhm. God bless you. Yes. Yes. God. Yeah. It's good to be in a place where we can laugh. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Amen. Appreciate this. Anyone else? Anything at all on your heart this morning? Alright. By the Mike. I plan <laughs> on.
0: He does a good job. Anyone else anything at all on your heart this
1: morning? All right,
0: assuming all hearts are free we'll we'll try to turn our thoughts to the Word of the Lord here for just a little while. And try to try to be brief uh, <clears throat> try to be brief this this week. Uh, I want to take the scripture reading out of the ninth chapter of the book of Luke, Luke chapter nine, and we're going to start in the fifty seventh verse, <clears throat> and we'll go through the end of the chapter, which is the sixty second verse. So Luke chapter nine, starting with verse fifty seven and we touched on this verse last week, and uh, and and this verse, uh, I really, honestly, was I was studying and preparing, I, I didn't really have an uh, an urge to use uh, this verse of scripture, um, but it's the one that I couldn't, it's the one that wouldn't leave me the the most. And we touched on it just briefly last week in our sermon, but we're going to look at it a little more here. This week, and, and I'd like to take for a title, uh, if we could, for this uh, for this week, No Looking Back. No Looking Back. And beginning in the 57th verse of Luke chapter 9, it says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, the foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere, hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And now I would like to take that and I would like to use also Luke chapter 17, verse 32. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. And we'll touch a little bit more on that 17th chapter of Luke, Lord willing, here in a moment. But no looking back. You know, one of the topics that we had for the association this year revolved around. The, the youth in our churches, or young people in our churches, and, and not just raising them and, and them getting saved, but them remaining in the church and serving in the church and growing in grace and knowledge of the truth, because they look around and they see so many that are raised in church, and, uh, and just as an example... Uh, Amy can talk about such a number of young people that she was raised with uh, in the church that she grew up in, which we all know is Fairview Memorial, but she can talk about how many that she was raised with in church that was her age and how few of them are left actually in church. They're not worshiping in there anymore. They've, They've gone away. Uh, they've gone looking after other things. And you can say, well, geez, what, what do you think that is, and, and why do you think that is? And there's a lot of, I believe there's a lot of reasons. Um, and, and now there's there's a general, there's a feeling and a belief and a longing that if we just would change some of our forms of service and some of the things that we do from a traditional aspect. And now, look, I'm, I'm not a person who believes we should exalt tradition uh, to being equal or above the Word of God. If we do that, then we're doing the exact same thing the Pharisees did. I don't think we should be wedded to our traditions to a certain degree. If, the, if we examine a tradition and a tradition's not found based in Scripture, then we ought to be uh, honest and humble enough to say, well, this is not a tradition that really should have ever been allowed to take hold uh, and and if it's scriptural, uh, then uh, we should exalt it, uh, if that tradition is scriptural. Uh, so I, I believe that we should examine our traditions at always, uh, because you never know when a new tradition's taking hold, do we? Uh, and that's one of the things that can happen. Uh, and so we look here and we find some examples of three people who, well, the first one came to the Lord and, and he made this bold statement. I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Matthew tells us, assuming Matthew falls right in line with this, and I believe it does, Matthew tells us that this is a scribe that looks at the Lord and says, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus laid a challenge in front of him, didn't he? See, we want to think that being a Christian, being in the church, that it's just something that's easy. I think that's one of the misnomers that's been allowed to persist amongst Christianity because we live in a country that's so comfortable that it's easy to be a Christian. If that were true, Jesus wouldn't have come back at him and said that the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man, referring to himself, hath not where to lay his head. In other words, he's saying, if you want to come and follow after me, it's going to require a lot of sacrifice and a lot of denying of yourselves the things that are viewed as comforts in this world. He said... We don't get to take part in those things. I don't take part in those things. I love it when the missionaries come over from Africa and I can sit around and talk to them about some of the things that they experience in their Christian walk and then juxtapose that to how it is in the United States. And it could not be more... Apples and oranges. <laughs> I believe it was Brother Paul who came, uh, who I had the conversation with one time uh, in Ghana, uh, and and he actually was taking a prisoner by a, a, a tribe over there one time, and uh, and so some of the things they experience are not things that we look at today in the in the age that or the, given the time that we live in, and we can uh, ex- extrapolate those things out. But why is it that uh, the church has been so asleep. That's what prosperity does, isn't it? Prosperity lulls us into a false sense of a security, and a false sense of belief, and a false sense of worship. And here this, this, this gentleman comes and presents himself before the Lord, and he, he gives this earnest de- decree or this earnest plea that, I will follow you. And Jesus tells him the truth of what it really means to follow him. And then next we see that Jesus, the next two people have the very same thing in, in, uh, in line with one another. Uh, and that is they both are tied to what is it holding them back, isn't there? And then what's, what is it that's holding them back?
1: The first one comes to, the first one the Lord calls and he says, follow me. And he says, let me
0: first go and bury my father. Most of us will read that and think that's not too uh, unnecessary of a request, right? The next one says to Jesus, just like the scribe says, I will follow thee, but first let me go and bid them farewell. And you see, in each of these instances, right, of these last two instances, they've got something in their past that's preventing them from moving forward with what they've been called to do and what they have a desire to do, don't they? And they both revolve around family. Now, I can remember somebody making a statement one time that God would never call somebody to leave their family. Well, that's exactly what he called Abraham to do. He said, Abram, get thee to a city in a country whose builder and maker is God, which meant you're going to leave behind the land of Chaldea, Ur of the Chaldees, and you're going to leave your family behind, and you're going to go off in search of a city, aren't you? Nothing's changed. We're looking for a city <laughs> whose builder and maker is God. And you know what? For those of us that's been saved and those of us that have been baptized in the church, we found it, didn't we? Now, there'll be a city in heaven. which no man has ever lifted a tool to work on, uh, a physical city there that we'll dwell in, and Jesus will be the light of that place, and one day after a while we'll be able to be there, either when we die or the Lord comes back, uh, we'll be able to behold that place, and it's going to be a miraculous city. The Bible describes that city in fantastic terms. And if you want to talk about security, that's a city where the gates never close. Because there's nothing outside the gates that pose a threat to the inhabitants of the city. But there's one central figure in that city, isn't it? And that's Christ. And He gives the light for that place. Now, in both of these instances, Jesus makes a reference to the kingdom of God for these two gentlemen, don't they? The two latter two. Um, he, the first one, he says, follow me. Jesus calls him to follow him. And he makes the request to let him go and bury his father. And Jesus makes this statement. He says, let the dead bury their dead. Now what does that mean? That doesn't mean that somebody who's dead, a zombie, is going to come back and bury somebody who's just deceased. That's just insane. That's not what that's talking about. What that means is those that are spiritually dead, allow those that are dead in trespasses and sins to bury those that are corporately dead, Uh, and then then you go and do what? Preach what? The kingdom of God and the second and the third one here he says this he says I will follow me but let me first but but first bid me go bid them or let me bid go bid them farewell talking about his family which are at home at my house. Neither of these requests on their own appear to be anything big, do they? If you're going to go on a journey, don't you usually call your your parents or whomever it is you're close to and you say, "Hey, we're going to leave." What what was that? That's right, not me. <laughs> That's because I just go. <laughs> but it's just common it's just common practice, isn't it? That you would do those things. But Jesus says to this last one, he says, No man having taken his hand to the plow and looking back. Now in each of these instances they're looking back, aren't they? They're looking back. This is what the difference is. The first one, being a scribe, is looking for what? He's looking for a kingdom, isn't he? He's looking for the kingdom of God to come back and he's looking for uh, a reconstituted Israel in, vain, uh, uh, in the vein of like under what existed under David and Solomon, and, and that's what he's looking for. And he's looking for the security, the security that went with it, and he's looking for the comforts that went with it. And we see that described. Uh, we see that described best by the queen of, of Sheba when she came and she visited Solomon and she said in the seventh verse of 1 Kings chapter 10, she said, Howbeit I believe not the words until I came and mine eyes had seen it and behold the half was not told to me. Thy king, thy wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame which I heard. She was blown away, wasn't she? Number one, by the wisdom which Solomon possessed. And number two, she was blown away by the wealth that Solomon had accumulated. And the degree that God had blessed Solomon. She could not believe it. They're looking for that, aren't they? The first one is looking for that kind of security, that kind of worldly, temporal prosperity. He's looking for that Temporal kingdom, and so the second, uh, uh, the next ones, they're looking. uh, uh, They get caught. They they have a desire. The first one gets called into the service of God, and the second one has a desire to serve God. But they're looking at their families and their and their family affiliations. Whether it's that their father has died or whether it's that they're still alive, they're holding them back and they're preventing them from going forward and serving the Lord. We don't generally think of our families as as hindrances in these regards, but sometimes they can be. Sometimes they very well can be. Now, both of these instances, Jesus makes a reference to them about the kingdom of God, doesn't he? On the second one, he said, go preach the kingdom of God. What do you think he's talking about there? He's talking about the gospel, isn't he? He's talking about the message of the kingdom. Go and preach the kingdom of God. Go preach the gospel. Let the dead bury the dead. You go preach the gospel. You go preach the message that gives life. And don't focus on the dead. Remember, it, it's, 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 that's what's required for us to even be suitable to enter into the kingdom, isn't it? That's what Jesus told Nicodemus, John chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Uh, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What's he talking about there? He's not talking about heaven in this world, is he? He's talking about the church. He's saying you can't enter the church if you haven't experienced the new birth. then he, he clarifies this and he says that which is born of flesh is flesh, meaning that that which is temporal is temporal and that which is spirit is spirit. Or spiritual. And what did Jesus say about his kingdom? He says, my kingdom is not of this world. What world? Meaning the world that they could see with their eyes, the world that they have been accustomed to, the thought and the idea of the kingdom that they worshipped. It's not of this world. It's of a world that you do not understand. If you're here today and you're lost, you need to be seeking the kingdom. You need to be seeking entry into the kingdom of God. You've got to hear the you've got to hear the the preaching of the kingdom of God so that you can get convicted of your sins because that's the state that we find ourselves in when we're born in this world, aren't we? We're dead in trespasses and sin until we get convicted. That conviction leads us to a place of contrition and being in contrition and being contrite before a just and a holy God. We can cry out to Him for mercy and forgiveness. And as long as we're contrite in our request, He is full of mercy and compassion. But he said, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. And so Jesus is saying, stop focusing on the temporal and start focusing on the spiritual litany. In both of these instances, stop focusing on the, tempor- the temporal. Focus on the spiritual things. And we don't want to look around and we want to say, well, we, we're not, we don't look back. Let's pause just a minute and think about that, because no man having taken his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. What do you think he means there? You want to be part of my kingdom? <laughs> but your, your love and your affection rests upon people who, don't, who aren't a part of it.
1: Who do we have to love God greater than? We have to love God greater than we love our own family, don't
0: we? We have to love Him more than mother. We have to love Him more than father. We have to love Him more than our brothers or our sisters. He 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 desires and He expects to be because He is, and He because He purchased the price for our entering. He is the preeminent entity. He's what our focus should be. Jesus is what our focus It's where our focus should be. And so we look at that. And he says no, they're not fit for the kingdom of God. That is in the church. When he talks about the church here, it's referred to as the kingdom of God. And so we go back over here and we look in the 17th chapter and we think about Lot's wife. And we all know the circumstances that surrounded Lot's wife. And actually, uh, Luke does a really good job in getting some details right as it pertains to what was happening to the people in the days. Of judgment here, as it pertained to the days of Noah. Uh, of course, we know that Jesus is recounted in Mark is saying, "But as is the days of Noah," uh, and, and and Luke attaches to that the days of Lot because they're very similar. And you can look at that even full, more forward. And, and as it pertains to the day that this was written, and they would apply to the day that uh, that judgment was passed on Jerusalem when the the armies of the Roman soldiers stormed into. Judea and Jerusalem and destroyed it and burned it with fire. And you can take it even further, catching. You you can say it applies to the day of the last day or the day of the great white throne of judgment when everybody, great and small, stands before the Lord and the books are open and we're judged out of those books and then the last book is open, which is the book of life and those were not found written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. And so we can see that all of these things are being represented here in this subset of Scripture here in Luke chapter 17. And so we're going to start here just a little bit and we go back here... Just for a minute. And it says in verse 26, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Likewise also, and let's finish that, and the flood came and destroyed them. And then he says, and likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, It rained fire and brimstone from heaven, and it destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Revealed to whom? Revealed to the unbelieving Jews in that day that uh, judgment would come upon them. In the day when they see the abomination spoken of by Daniel the prophet, And what do they do? In that day, he which is upon the housetop uh, and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Don't look back, right? Why? If you do,
1: you'll die. To put it bluntly.
0: If you look back in this instance, you die. And then he says, remember Lot's wife. Now this one is really, this one really falls in line with what we're trying to convey. Remember Lot's wife. Well, what did Lot's wife do that was so bad? They were leaving Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot, his wife, and their daughters. And the destruction starts taking place the minute they leave. And they're far enough away, and it starts raining brimstone and fire uh, onto those cities. What does Lot's wife do? She turns around and she looks back, and she does exactly what the angels told him not to do. Don't look back because if you look back, you become a pillar of salt. Why did she look back? Well, some speculate maybe she just wanted to see the destruction. People are nosy that way, aren't they? If, if some, if, if there's a car wreck, the line of traffic will back up on the other side of the road because they just want to get a glimpse of the, the destruction, don't they? Uh, I don't know why people do that, but people just do that. Maybe she just wanted to see the destruction. I don't think that's why she looked back, though. I think she looked back at the life she was leaving behind, the only life she ever knew, because Lot didn't have a wife when he went to Sodom. He had a wife when he came out of Sodom, and she looks back, and her family's in Sodom, and they're all going to perish in Sodom, so she looks back towards Sodom with affection, doesn't she? And mourning. And she looks back to the old life that she had in Sodom. And she wants that old life. No different than the generation that God delivered from Egypt when they wandered in the desert and they wanted to go back into captivity in Egypt. Because back in Egypt, we did eat fish and leeks and cucumbers without cost. Walking by. Faith means to walk not knowing what lies ahead, doesn't it? We don't know what lies ahead of us in this world. We know what lies ahead of us at the ultimate end, don't we? When Jesus comes back and receives those of us uh, that are his unto himself, that have passed on first, that are alive second, we know about that, but you know what? So much of Christianity today was to focus on that and try to pinpoint the time when it's going to happen when the Bible tells us that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, won't it? This isn't a hurricane that you watch build slowly over the ocean that comes in and leaves a swath of destruction. This is going to be the day that the earth melts with a fervent heat, as Peter says. And so here, uh, it may be an instance of judgment that appears on the horizon. We don't know what lies ahead of us. We just have to have faith and trust and listen to the one who said, follow me, don't we? And if he says leave things behind, then go. Then go. I remember when I was just starting out preaching, and I'm still just trying, Amy would get very frustrated. And she would say, "Why is it?" Because I preached all around. I would go to Ohio, Arkansas, Memphis, Tennessee. I, I didn't preach very much locally. And I remember one time we were having a conversation, and I was packing to leave Memphis or somewhere or it, or, or 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 Ohio or somewhere like that. I don't remember exactly where I was going for that particular time. And she said, "I don't understand why you can't preach locally. There's plenty of churches locally." And I said, you go where God gives you an opportunity. <laughs> I don't know what to
1: tell you other than that.
0: When God says, hey, here you go, go do this. What are you going to be like Jonah and say, I'd rather have something better to do? <laughs> I don't like going there. You go. If you get, when you get saved, let me me change that. I was going to say, if you get saved, hopefully everybody that's within the sound of my voice will get saved. So when you get saved, what do you do from that point in time? Well, you, you follow Christ's example, don't you? And you present yourself for baptism into the kingdom. That's what Peter said. He said, you are a nation of priests, a kingdom of priests. But our mindset, even today, is on the temporal nation, isn't it? So much of our mindset and our thought processes is just dominated by the temporal kingdom. The one that we live in, which is the United States, it's still dominated by the temporal. It's still dominated by it. Just like the scribe. We should be, we should be focused on the one that the king died to purchase the kingdom, shouldn't we? That should be the first and foremost, the, the superseding thought that possesses our, our minds and our motivations. The things that makes us do what we do. It should be because we don't want to look back to the old life. Paul said that. And I'm going to close with this in Ephesians chapter 4. He said, This I say therefore and testify in testifying the Lord that ye he henceforth walked not as other Gentiles walk. And this is obviously to the church at Ephesus. And he's saying, don't be like everybody else. And I started this out talking about the youth. And why has there been such a falling away of the youth in so many churches? Why are they seeking out churches that have flashy concerts or churches that do worldly things? Because those are worldly things. And it's not that the message that's being sung is necessarily wrong in every instance. There's some of the things they sing I really disagree with, but there's some of the things that are in our songbooks I really disagree with.
1: What have they witnessed?
0: They've witnessed, in large part, God's people not being really discernibly different from people that don't go to church. That's what they've witnessed. Paul says. Don't look back. Don't walk the way the other Gentiles walk. In the vanity of their mind. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them. We should know better, those of us that's been saved, shouldn't we? We should present that before our children. Otherwise, they will walk away. <laughs> because you can, you can say it to you're blue in the face, but if they're going to believe what they see, more so. And I'll go with one that really doesn't even seem like it's that big of a deal. But it does. And we do it every day when church ends. What restaurant are we going to go eat at? Don't we? We all do it. I'm the pastor here. We we go out to eat after service. I mean, we just do. Do you know what? That's not discernibly different than anybody else in society today. You know why the blue laws went away? The people in the churches, they acquiesced to it, didn't they? And then they adopted it. And now it's just a tradition, isn't it? We ought not be surprised (laughs) when they don't see a discernible difference that they left. When the people that are lost don't act, or the people that are saved don't act any different than the people that are lost, what is the appeal? That's the question. And he says that, it, that through that through the ignorance of them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lascivious, lasciviousness, to work all unclean, uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. Listen to what he says about not looking back. If ye, if so be that ye have heard of him or heard him, and have been taught by him. As the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation of the old man. Don't walk the way that the other Gentiles walk, is what he's telling the church at Ephesus. Put off the comfort, the, 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 that you put off concerning the former con- conversation, that's the manner of conduct in life. That's not talking about speech, that's how you live your life. Conversation concerning the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man. You see, Jesus is just telling the other two, and really he's telling all three of them, you can't walk and serve me as the old man. You've got to be saved. You've got to be born again. You've got to be baptized in the kingdom, right? And you've got to, above all else, even superseding the baptism, you've got to put on the new man. You've got to walk in the newness of light, don't you? Because Jesus has done what? Called us out of darkness into his marvelous light.
1: Radiate that light. And that new man
0: is created by God. We're a new creature in Christ when we get saved, aren't we? If you're here today and you're lost, that's what you need to seek. That's what you need to acquire. That's what you need to attain. You need to desire to be saved, to be a new creature in Christ where that all old things have passed away and all things have become new. Now look, I'm thankful that the outward man perisheth. I'm thankful that the inward man, now I know the outward man perisheth, but I'm thankful that the inward man, it's renewed day by day, isn't it? Every day is a new day and another opportunity to glorify God. But what does he say here? Put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And what's God call us to do? To present ourselves holy. Why? Because God is holy. God is holy. Don't live like everybody else. God is holy. And so he's telling these three here. Don't worry about looking back. Do do what's holy. (laughs) Do do the holy thing. If I've called you to go preach to the Assyrians, Jonah, go preach to the Assyrians. If I call you to leave your family and go looking for a place that you don't even know the destination, go.
1: I've got one gear
0: at work. Let's go. That's how we need to be in our Christian walk as well. When God says go, we just need to go and not look back. And being in the church, we can't look back on the old life and say that's I want to go back and do that. Cuz this is no fun. I would never want to do that. I I love being in the church. I love being With my brothers and sisters in the Lord. The things that the world considers fun, not a lot of fun for me. (laughs) Not a lot of fun for me. I'll just be honest. That's what you need to do. If you're here today and you're lost and the Lord is dealing with you, you need to get that rectified. And no time there's no time like the present to do that. And so, Brother Williams, if you've got a song. We're going to have a verse or two of song.